0: This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris I got an interesting little story to share with you here today to open up the podcast. Last week, I did a radio show on our new radio show, Project Chaos. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it. Last week's radio show was a show called War is a Racket. War is a Racket was a speech by Smedley Butler, later turned into a book, and that was part of what I discussed on the radio show. Leading up to that, we had a discussion on that same radio show about Force Design 2030. I'm not going to go down in that whole rabbit hole right now because it's not really important to what I want to talk about today. But the reason that I mention is that basically if you read through what's going on with Force Design 2030, you can come to one conclusion and one conclusion only, and that is that there is a lot of chaos in our military right now to the point that it doesn't really seem like they're sure they know what they need to do. And that's a little concerning. And that may not be the best way to describe it. But there's some problems going on there. Now, not everybody agrees with me on that. There's a broad disagreement in general on the subject, although I don't think that the disagreement is genuine. I think that anybody with any common sense and military background is looking at this going, this is a, a political storm, if you know what I mean. But either way, without getting into the politics of Force Design 2030, the point that I think everybody took away very clearly when I said clearly that the Marine Corps tanks and artillery have been taken away. It was an amazing radio show, and the response was equally as amazing. The reason I mentioned is I was doing some follow-up for the show, And by the time you're listening to this, you may have already listened to the live Monday show for this week because the subject is going to come up again, but not regarding tanks and artillery. This is mind-blowing to me. One of the things that we have covered in the discussion of Force Design 2030 is that they've changed the Marine Corps' mission, they said, to be only in support of the Navy for security of ports and whatnot. Well, come to find out that the Navy does not have ships to provide the Marine Corps with to deploy these amphibious operations. A Marine Corps without guns, a Marine Corps without ships is what? I'm not sure. Boy Scouts, I would have to say. Oddly enough, despite all that, Marine Corps is not having problems recruiting people, in part why they get get away with this shenaniganry. The Marine Corps does not have ships. I almost went ballistic. I found an article, a story on this, by a, a retired Marine who was in Vietnam, did a bunch of other work. I think he was a colonel or something like that. He was involved in, um, um, you know, recon units. Guy had some pretty good credentials. And he has this solution that he wants to offer. I well, was all ears. I was blown away, actually, at the solution. You know what he said? He said, we ought to begin using civilian ships that have been modified so that if a war breaks out, we can call on those ships at any time and they'll be ready to go. And he talked in detail about communication systems being stored on board, maybe certain armor and protection and, and uh, you know firepower maybe also stored on there at least the mounts for it so it could be quickly adapted for wartime use. I thought to myself, well, for the love of God, not all Marines are sitting around eating crayons. That's for sure. At least we have one that can think for himself. I was a little bit upset that I didn't think of the idea. This was so profound to me, so American, right, to come up with a solution like this. Now, if you're skeptical, by the way, and you may be, because you say, well, we are going to take a civilian ship and turn it into a big, bad war fighting ship. Well, first of all, China has a huge fleet of civilian ships that they can call on. It's very nefarious, really, because you don't really know what you're dealing with. And the practice is as old as the country. Common Sense by Thomas Paine, which I rewrote in modern English. I was slamming my head against the wall when I read this. I can't believe that I didn't think of it after I wrote that book. Thomas Paine made the same argument. He said, we don't need this big, expensive Navy floating around doing nothing all the time. Just, you know, maybe a smaller Navy and then dual-use ships. Pay the guys a little stipend that, you know, when they're called on in time of war that they can step in and fight. And I think this is uh, some of the effort of Force Design 2030, but it's just gotten so communicated in such a, a convoluted fashion that nobody knows what's really going on. But at least one retired Marine still using his head saying, you know what, we can repurpose ships. Now, one of the problems is that there's no shipbuilders in this country anymore. None, like zero. I don't know that that's completely true. I don't know the industry, but based on what I'm reading, they're saying that the industry is completely collapsed. Very interesting, really. Well, there's an opportunity there. We have the place to do these things. We've done it before. Anyway, I point this out to you as a simple, practical solution to a serious, serious problem. Now, as far as the uh, Marine Corps with the tanks, same thing. Do what the um, Mexican drug cartels are and Start armoring up trucks on your own. You know, this is all part of it. Figure it out. Get it done. That attitude. That was the American way. This is a little tough to swallow. You're like, figure it out. Let me take away your tanks, your artillery, and your ships, and they figure it out. But this is where we're at. But I don't want to focus on the negative part. Focus on the positive, and that is that human ingenuity, human imagination can solve everything. Or anything, I should say. That's part one. Common sense, simple solutions. I can't believe this. I can't believe I didn't think of it. We don't have enough ships. We need more warships. The last thing we need is another trillion-dollar aircraft carrier when there's a simple solution that we can we can use right in front. Of, we should have been using it all along. By the way, by the way, I'll make this point. I rode on a civilian ship when I deployed. I arrived at that port on a civilian ship. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. It's absolutely perfectly possible. Now, the second big eye-opening that I had I do this radio show, War is a Racket. That was the main thing. We're talking about Force design and the, 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 the poor state of our military affairs. That was the purpose of the show. We do the radio show, and as we launch the podcast, you may have heard me talking, that I wanted to do. I post the radio show as a podcast. They're all up there now at ProjectChaos.org. You can listen to all five of the live shows. Number six will be coming soon. And there's another eight, ten podcasts up there. I think there was 14 episodes total, eight additional follow-up. And part of that was we do the radio show and we do a follow-up podcast, which is pretty cool. It's a little different listening there. In the case of War is a Racket, I came back and I read the Smedley Butler book. We did a five-part podcast on that, also on the website. I highly recommend that you check it out. But let me give you a big spoiler alert on all this. Smedley, I didn't agree with everything he said, taking the profits out of war and paying in advance. And I thought it was a little bit of grandstanding, really. And maybe he was trying to use a no, no. But here was the one that I came to a big yes in his idea on how to fix this problem of an out of control military and out of control military spending. I I read it and I'd like to know how to react. It's so basic, so simple. When I say it to you, it's going to blow your mind. This just goes to show, myself included, this blows my mind, how far gone removed we are from reality. I'm going to say this to you, and you're just going to go, I can't believe that we're not thinking like this. You can go read through. It's a little over an hour, five segments. I highly recommend it. Go listen to the Wars of Rackets series. But here's the point. I'll give you the spoiler alert. This is a two-time Medal of Honor winning Marine Corps general. Saying we should only use our defense, our military, for defensive purposes only. Well, get the heck out. There's a novel idea, isn't it? Crazy. Why aren't we talking in those terms? How have we been talked out of it? We'd do everything with our military, but defend our own country, and we're going to talk about that, too. i got some big things to talk about. I want to talk about the censorship. I want to talk about the invasion of our country, and I want to talk about how we bring it all back together. And the bigger point in all that, the reason I say all that, we only own what we control and vice versa, and we can't control it if we can't secure it. And right now you talk about you know being the world's police force or world security we can't even secure our own country and I'm going to prove it to you in just a minute. Welcome to the Christopher Scott Daily Show. You can check out my new radio show I was just talking about. All my books are there including my new book Victory Over Chaos. It's amazing work. Project Chaos at projectchaos.org. I hope you go check it out. The the new podcast Project Chaos is now available on all the players. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you got it all right there. Anyway, I hope you'll uh, subscribe to the podcast, tune in on a regular basis, and you can sign up for my email list at projectchaos.org. I can prove to you that people don't feel safe in this country. I can, I can prove it to you in, in one simple illustration, and I don't know if this is going on everywhere in the country, but I'm pretty sure it is. Why, how can I prove that people don't feel safe on a basic level? Look at how many people are driving their kids to school. It's ridiculous. It's out of hand. I go by these schools, I get so frustrated. My wife sometimes will wait up there an hour on a regular basis. It's gotten to be a little game. There's so many people going that if you're not the first one there, you're kind of in a bad spot. So now they got to go up there an hour or the cars are sitting there idling. I don't get it. The traffic, I've talked to the police about it. These weren't designed to have all these cars coming in and out like this you know, twice a day. They were designed to be served by buses. People don't want to have them on their buses. Why not? Here's this story came a thirteen year old girl missing for over a month since a January school bus ride. It's really heartbreaking. She's a young black girl. Apparently had a great history, great record, was living with her grandmother. As I read the story, I bet you one of the parents is involved. <clears throat> that was my thought. I bet you one of the parents is involved in the in the disappearance. Would, would make the most sense to me, really. But too often now, you begin to think that these bus rides are like a, a death sentence for these kids. Either they're going to get attacked, beat up, mauled. And the bus drivers, you know, not going to see it. Nothing's going to get done. It's going to get caught on video, and you're going to be fighting for justice. What justice? What justice is there after your kid gets his face swelled up because you know some. A boy dressed as a girl, five years older, beat up your daughter. And then they're to say, Well, you can't defend yourself. The oh, your kids got to learn how to take it. Yeah? I mean, she a minute with the parents to see how well they can take it. Horror stories everywhere. I know it's happened even in our district. They had um, an elderly uh, caretaker or whatever on a bus and molesting one of the kids. You can't trust anything. The parents are scared to death. Well, I want to say to you, back to owning your own real estate, we need to take back control of our schools so that they're ours. This public school system, it's not ours anymore. It doesn't reflect what we want for our children. Why do we keep engaging in it? I want to say we're pretty lucky here, probably the last, some of the last, to be able to rely on the public school system if it keeps going the way that it is. Our school system, I worry. My daughter is uh, going to be finishing up third grade this year. So we got another nine years left. And I don't have a lot of confidence that we're going to be able to finish that in the public school. So we got a great school system here. But um, I don't know that we can feel confident that our child is going to feel safe. Let me keep going because there's a lot to talk about. I want to mention this a minute, and there's a bigger point here. This isn't just for humor. Mount Everest has a bathroom problem. Oh, boy. Am I bringing this up as a joke? No, no, no. This is not a joke at all. There's actually a chapter in my new book, Victory Over Chaos, called Dropping a Deuce in the Desert. Now, that was meant to be a funny heading to capture people's attention for sure. But I made the point. You had a million military personnel that were deployed as part of Operation Desert Storm. The planning that had to go into their pooping was amazing. Think about it. Every one of those people had to be fed, and then they had to get rid of it every day. And then they had to clean themselves up after, and it all had to be disposed of every day. How many, I don't know, Somebody's has to, I'm sure, has some data on this. How many times a day does the average person go number two? I'm going to say at least once, right? So every day you've got, and and what's the weight of that? I know, people don't want to talk about this. This Look, this is the real world. It goes in, it goes out. It's got to be dealt with. It's simple logistics, I know, it's dirty, it's stinky, people don't want to talk about it. Why do I bring all this up? Listen to me. The country's being overrun, it's not being taken care of. It's only a matter of time before we have a water and a flushing problem. And when that becomes a problem, disease, nasty disease is going to become a problem. Everybody focuses on electric and being connected. Let me tell you something. Electric is the easiest utility to run. You can run electric pretty much anywhere, underwater, over sand, over mountains, through woods, whatever you want to do. It's a little bit more difficult when you got to get water in and out to places, and the dirty water's got to get out. The reason that I bring it up, our country is not being taken care of properly. Our cities are falling apart. Everybody sees it and oh, well. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Listen, my point is we better get back to basics, my friends, in a big, big way. Tucker Carlson came out. You know, he's been doing a lot of great work lately. i got to tell you, I really like what he's saying. I really like what he's doing. I don't know the guy. I can't vouch for the guy, any of that. I can only say to you that what I hear him saying right now, I think people should listen. He's talking heavily about free speech. He should know. He got canned, thrown off of Fox News, and all this ties into what I want to tell you. Owning our own real estate, controlling our real estate, securing our real estate. I'm not just talking about real ground. I'm talking about real property, such as intellectual property, such as this podcast, such as the Tucker Carlson Show. That is all intellectual property, just like real estate. There was a time in this country when these things were highly regarded, and for good reason. We, were, we led the world in protecting these important property rights, for good reason. And this is why I didn't completely agree with Smedley Butler on taking the profits out of war, if you take the incentive out of the finding creative solutions, right? If I go build, the, the, the Navy doesn't have ships right now. If I'm going to go build a shipyard and I'm going to go recruit young people and I'm going to solve this problem for the United States Navy, I want to get paid for it. I'm not doing that for nothing. Now, I know there's been great people over time that have committed great things to this country, and that's great, too. I suppose if I was a billionaire, I'd say, like, I'll go build this shipyard. I'll do it and make it happen. I'm still going to want to make money at it. And if you know anything about business and doing anything, it's not a lot of fun when you're not making money at it. It's like the prize. You say, look, uh, you know." for example, how, what good is it to do a great podcast that nobody's listening to? It's worthless. At the end of the day, the profits are the scorecard for the entrepreneur. We used to protect all this property very carefully, and we don't regard it the same way. But now people are beginning to realize how important it is. Our news industry has been stripped of all integrity. There's none. Now we're left with people like Tucker Carlson, maybe myself, to, t- to tell the truth. I was reading Dan Bongino's book. He says he's planning on discontinuing his syndication deal once his contract is up. I'll be very interested to see if that actually happens or not. Dan Bongino getting pushed out, right? Big rise, not on Fox News anymore. He's going to be another one of those guys. He was, he, was, he was in, he was on Fox, and he made his name there. Now he's out. He's done. And he's got his following from that, but good luck trying to build much on that. Now, Tucker Carlson, he's got his own real estate there on Twitter, kind of, sort of. I don't know that he really does. He's, he's leveraging Twitter. Huh. Is that a good idea? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Tucker's doing some great stuff. but Tucker, I think, is put it this way, Tucker has more. Ownership rights than Dan bongino with the syndication deal. I think dan bongino is is uh is realizing that, but tucker Carlson, and the, and there was a lot of other things going on with this this attack on free speech it's become it's crystal clear to everybody now i've been it, it was crystal clear to me because I was living, and I've been talking about it for probably five years now, getting shadow banned the impact on me personally, and nobody cares right nobody nobody cares that I got shadowed not really right well, yeah well you know my fault. I broke the rules. Oh, yes, I did, because I'm a big rule breaker. That's me. Big, bad Chris. This is a, the part of the campaign to um, shame people. You shouldn't talk like that. It's not nice. Well, it's important that we talk about it all the same. And free speech is just that. Tucker Carlson made a good point. because you don't like it doesn't mean that I can't say it. That's what free speech is all about. But then he switched to something else. Tucker Carlson, he said, the world history has been defined by invasions. And this is a little dangerous way to talk, because as much as he wants to say that, say, well, the recent world history has been pretty well defined by borders that we've all acknowledged for a very long time. Some of them, not as much as others, understandably. But there's been this period of world peace. Why? Because there's been respect for borders. And who hasn't been respecting those borders? But anyway, sticking with his point a second. He said, world history has been defined by invasions. And he said, we're being invaded. Nobody's doing anything about it, and our leadership is allowing it to happen. Now, this issue of illegal immigration, our border, and our safety are all very much tied together, are they not? Listen, whatever you want to say, whether you agree with it, disagree with it, you like the immigrants, you don't like the immigrants, none of that really matters. Let's just talk in simple common sense terms for a second. Tucker Carlson is completely right. Our country is being heavily, heavily overrun. Are we being replaced? Well, that's going to be up to us. Migrants, they had a report here, given a free hotel stay, three meals, no need to work, medical needs taken care of. Some of them for over seven months now. People are outraged by this, as they should be. Why was this? Is the biggest question. I always why why why. They say the truth will set you free. Well, understanding why is the answer to that. Why are we allowing all these migrants in there? I believe it has to do with economics, certainly elections, but both. oh so we can we can borrow on those people. We can run up more debt if the population's higher, right? That the thirty-three trillion dollar debt is a real problem at three hundred thirty million people. Is it the same problem at five hundred million people? Well, no. Uh, we'll just recruit some of these people in here. It's not enough that we destroyed Latin America through the banana wars, completely upset any possibility of you know real lasting government down there. We created all this turmoil a hundred years ago. Now, now it's all you know fi- kicking back on us. And these people are coming up here. In many cases, they don't speak English. They can't do anything. They're not working. They're just helpless, more or less. And we just sit there giving them checks and hotels and filling up our cities. What could go wrong? What's going to happen? Listen, I hear people talking about fighting age men. And let me just, I, I don't see it going like that. I'm not seeing any fighting age anything. So, well, look at all these, yeah, I don't, I'm not seeing any big bad words. Now, not to say that it couldn't be. I had an in-depth conversation with a buddy of mine about this. I, I'm not saying there's no threat there. It's Really concerning. Really concerning. You think that any one of these groups coming across the border, nobody knows. I mean, how difficult would it be to get 100, 200, couple hundred terrorists across the border? What could a couple hundred terrorists do? A couple hundred car bombs? A couple hundred arson? Imagine if you just put a couple hundred arsonists in the country. That's it. Just train them in how to start fires. You might get caught. You're going to get arrested. You're going to go to jail. We'll have a defense fund in place. We'll help you out. Guaranteed. I don't know. It's very concerning. But I want to look at it from a a different angle. Why are we allowing this to happen? But more importantly, why are we allowing it to happen in this fashion? Let's just talk on a community level in a second. And this is something that Thomas Paine did in Common Sense as well. It's really worth reading. And hopefully, if you want to, you'll read the the, uh, modern English version that I wrote. The book is available at ProjectChaos.org. But let's just say we have a family of three here at our house, three of us, three dogs. We've got plenty of room on our property, and we've got plenty of room in our house. We could easily accommodate a family of five here. Not to say that it wouldn't change things dramatically, but we could accommodate a family of five. And if we were to put a small out structure outside, we could probably accommodate more. But let's just stick with the family of five a second. We're a family of three, and we're going to take in five to our house. Well, what would you be doing? You'd, be, you'd say, let's lay down some ground rules, would you not? You say, hey, all right, you guys are going to be downstairs. We're going to be upstairs. By 9 o'clock, it's you know, whatever rules we're going to agree to to keep peace and harmony in the house. But then everybody's going to contribute as well. What am I just going to keep? I'm going to provide food for these people indefinitely. They're not going to do anything for me. I don't see that happening to you. And this is the way it begins. But now let's look at what our government is doing. They're not doing any of that. They're not saying, listen, there's some basic rules you have to follow, and you're going to have to do some work in exchange for your time here. Not even a program to get them going. Not even any talk of it. I was having this conversation. I said to my buddy, I said, You've been out to Cincinnati lately? He's like, Nah, last time I was out there, this place was in collapse, really. You go out to Western Cincinnati. This was a good 10 years ago now, 15 years ago, I was out there looking at real estate deals. You get, Southern Cincinnati is okay, but you go out to Western Cincinnati, man. It's like a war zone out there. I'm not making this up. I remember looking at it like a 15,000 unit apartment complex, and there was like a dozen people there. It was crazy, it was weird. Like where'd all the people go? Where'd all the people go? People were living there. White people. White people living there, working there. They're gone. What happened to them? Where'd they go? Now you're going to have brown people coming in, brown and black people coming in to replace it. What happened? Why are we, Why is this even happening? Why, 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 why? Well, I believe that the financial system and people are waking up to realize this basic truth if you go back to just a basic, you know, rudimentary family or a couple of families living in a in a rural area, okay, what has to be happening for that tribe to survive? Very simply, they have to produce another generation. Every year, they have to plant crops. If they don't. If they don't do that, if they don't prepare the soil and put the seeds in the ground, they'll be dead by the end of the year. If they don't, if they don't have children. Their tribe will be over at the end of their lives. It's just the basic way that it works. You constantly have to be replenishing. And I think it's a big part of what led to this country being so great. You have families here, six, eight, ten kids, all good, hardworking people. They learned how to fend for themselves, very industrious, very hardworking, lots of ingenuity. And look at what it created. Automobiles, airplanes, space travel, TVs, mobile phones. And there's still more to come. Maybe you say, Wow, what do we need? We have everything we need, really? Do we have all of our problems solved? There's a lot more we need. And we certainly need a future generation. Well, what happened to our future generation? Well, people just aren't having children the way that they are. That's what they would say to you. You white people. Everything's wrong with you white people. You're racist. You're dirty polluters. Biggest polluters on the planet here in the United States. And you don't even have enough kids to continue on your own tribe. But that's not really the truth. Not really the truth at all. I went and looked at this research from the Pew Research Center. This is how it's all related. You don't have to be conservative. Just common sense practical. If you start killing off all your kids, you're going to have a problem when you get older. You see what I'm saying? Because there's not going to be anybody to take care of you. And there's not going to be anybody to repopulate. I looked at this research from the Pew Research Center. Round numbers, we've been carrying out about a million abortions a year. It goes up and down. Sometimes a million sick, sometimes 800,000. It's been down, to be fair. Fifty years of this going on at a million a year. 50 million children in the pipeline. Just, I don't, I don't want to get too dramatic about this or too philosophical, and I'm not even going to get religious about it today. I'm not going to pound my fist. Kill, you want to kill the babies? Kill the babies today. How's that? I'm not going to get in the middle of it. But how do you deal with this simple problem of no future generations? I believe that we're seeing it today. And I bet you that's about how many we're going to have to migrate into this country. About 50 million to get it back on track. That would be my guess. What do we do? I said to you, look, there's basics. I mean, secure the border and encourage people here to have children. It's very simple. You know, restore the school system. Put a tax structure in place that helps young people and encourage the formation of families, bottom line. It's necessary. It's important. Never should have messed with it in the first place. And we could easily get back on track with that. We could easily bring a migrant population in here. You know how you do it? You don't You don't bring the migrants in here and stick them up in a hotel up in New York City and say, no, don't, don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just sit here. We're going to pay you with no vision of the future or anything. No, nobody's going to. It can only lead to a problem. Take them out to places like Cincinnati and say, hey, Here's your new home. We're going to help you get started. We have teams of people here that are going to train you, teach you, and we have economic assets in place to allow you to thrive. Your goal is to make Western Cincinnati a booming, thriving community again. And charge them with that. Rise up leaders from the group and build it. And build it from the ground up they're here now you want to be you, you want to if you're going to do it do it right otherwise secure the border and shut it down one or two answers very simple but there's people making money off it and that's why I say go listen to that war is a racket the money changes everything it changes everything maybe we'll talk more about it but I don't want to ramble on forever today I want to share something else with you to close this out we're going to go a little long today a little bonus content for you Steve Jobs wanted to pass something on that he wrote down right before he died. And this isn't as uncommon as you think. I know a couple of super high net worth, I call super high net worth people. They're not billionaires, but tens of millions. A million, you know, I've got buddies of mine that got a couple million dollars. It's not even really a big deal anymore. You know, you started getting into tens of millions, and now you got some money to throw around. Well, anyway... They frequently talk in the same, same way. And I think it's important for you to understand it, conducting out your own life. Look, how do we build, build strong communities? Well, we build strong families, naturally. The most important thing that you need to be doing is building a strong family, making sure that your kids are great kids. But all everything that we're doing right now, I talk about owning your own real estate, Dan Bongino, myself, it, you've got to have the right foundation. And Steve Job lays it out here. He says, so I'm building a real real company. He says, I hate it when people call themselves entrepreneurs. What they really want to do is launch a startup, sell it, and go public and cash out. And there's a lot of people that are doing that. One of the dirty little things going on right now, I just had uh, my buddy out here to give me a, a price on a new air conditioning. We're getting some other work done in the house. I'm going to add the heat pump on there. And, um, and we won't use it all the time. We'll still use our, our dirty oil when it's necessary but anything probably above about 30 uh, above about 35 degrees I'll probably run that that heat pump and hopefully save some money there but anyway he said to me like the guys that came to work on my uh, well pump uh, a year or so ago he said I can't get anybody to help me nobody's getting into this business and what I heard is going on you got these teams that are going to go out with AI they'll say buy up his business his book of accounts they'll hire some new people they'll train them they'll use AI and they'll get the business up and running and then they'll sell it off and it's just a business thing. Now, some of this is natural and can result in good things, but it's not the same as the owner-operator that cares. Like my buddy that came out, this guy is incredible. He gave me a great price too, and he's such a worker. As opposed to the company that I go through, my oil company, my oil delivery company, I have a service contract with them. Now they're also fantastic, right? But it's not an owner-operator setup, and. It's a whole different game. And for me, as the the customer, the long and short of that is I pay through the nose when I need anything from them. Now, I have the service contract that covers a certain amount. We've had them out here twice. I had a uh, circuit board go bad, and we had some kind of valve go bad. It's 10 o'clock at night. The heat's down. Like, I need you here now. Our ability to heat this place off of space heaters is (laughs) not good. We have fireplace. We'd be okay. But... Uh, Anyway, my point being, you don't have a lot of this building a real company anymore. And I think we need to get back to that and encourage people to do that, to own your own business. You say, well, I'm going to go work for XYZ, HVAC. Go get some experience. Go learn how how they run their business and then go out on your own. There's so many opportunities right now to do this that people don't want to do it. It's a great way to go. You have to work. Steve Jobs on taste over market research. This is very important. Listen to what he said. I've talked about this myself. He said, some people say give customers what they want, He said, but that's not my approach. Our job is to figure out what they're going to want before they do. Henry Ford once said, if you asked customers what they wanted, they would have told me a faster horse. People don't know what they want until you show it to them. That's why I never rely on market research. Our task is to read things that are not yet on the page. By the way, we are doing exactly this with Project Chaos. It's exactly what we're doing. This is being marketed differently. The message is differently. And the hosting is differently. And all that has laid the groundwork to speak the truth boldly, which is what we will continue to do. But with all things, this is marketing. And Amazon did this. Right hey, I don't know anybody was saying home delivery, easy ordering system. No, they knew what the customers wanted before then they came back with this next day delivery. genius. I never would have thought it was unreasonable to ask for that. We're doing the same thing with media here. on combining ideas from different fields, uh, he talks about liking that that intersection, and I do too. I think we need more of that collaboration begins to be able to communicate with each other on understanding why your customers pay you. People say pay us to integrate things for them because they don't have time to think about this stuff 24-7. If you have an extreme passion for producing great results, it pushes you to be integrated to connect your hardware and your software and content management. You want to break new ground, so you have to do it yourself. What does this mean to me right now? What does it mean to you? The Internet is dead in many ways. Now, not completely. Obviously, you're going to be listening to this via the Internet, but it's not producing the human exchange. It's not producing trust between people. A big reason why my promotion for this new Project Chaos radio show and podcast is going to rely almost entirely on in-person events. Back to basics. On what happens when you shift the focus from great products to more sales. I've mentioned this before. Companies that focus on sales and profits rarely achieve it. Companies and organizations that focus on solving a problem or a need are usually very profitable. Think about that. In this case, what what am I solving? People the desire for the truth. On great products being the foundation for an enduring company, my passion has been – to build an enduring company where people were motivated to make great products. Motivated. Everything else was secondary. You want people that want to do great work on being honest and direct with your team. Honesty. He's talking about it here. On keeping the team excellent. He said, I was hard on people, sometimes probably harder than I need to be. Demand excellence. I took over a a union shop of operators that when I got there were sitting around playing cards. Got in there. You know what the first thing I said? You're all professional union operators. I'm going to be expecting a lot of you. That changed everything. Expecting a lot of other people that you'll see the best in them. It's a beautiful thing. On constant refinement and perpetual motion, I'm not going to read this to you, but it's the Marine Corps way, constantly seeking a better way, constantly seeking ways to make things more efficient, make it better. That's American ingenuity. And there's no reason why we can't be doing it right now like we have throughout our entire history. There's opportunities as far and wide. All you have to do is you open your eyes. But you have to be willing to do the hard work. And I want to leave you with this from our good buddy Dan Bongino. I saw that he posted us on Twitter. I said, this is beautiful. i got to share it. He said, do things that suck. You hear me talking about work. I've got one of my favorite pictures on my phone. I was moving River Rock with a push cart. Eh, I might have used the tractor and the dump trailer a little. But it was hard work all the same. I get down, my face is just covered with this dust from the river rock. I look like a coal miner. It's good for you. It's really, you got to go do hard, dirty things. Dan Bongino says, do things that suck. This is my most valuable lesson I've learned in my 45 years, 49 years. He said, here's the hard truth. A lot of people you walk by on the street are living to survive. They'll take the easiest path when presented with forks in their life roads. Why? Because it's easy. Yet while the easy roads they take are crowded, the suck lanes are relatively empty and they still are. You'll own them and you'll be walking on those roads with other people willing to do things that suck. And your connections and conversations on those roads will be more impactful without all the life clutter from the others. Why is that? Because their lives are so meaningless. That's why you see all the drama that's why you hear me keep saying pushing people to get outside. You're acting this way because you're not getting outside. I see it down to the, the weather. The weather. What are you talking about? Go outside. Dan says so. When you're you're in the nearly empty gym at, gym at 5 a.m. with five or six people busting your butt while everybody else is sleeping, you're doing it right because it sucks. And when you're sitting at your table studying for a test or preparing for another job interview while your amigos are out partying, know you're doing it right because it sucks. Do things that suck and your life won't suck. And you'll set the example for those that matter to you that they should not accept mediocrity either because it sucks. And he's right. That's what really sucks, mediocrity. And that's why this country feels like it sucks. We're not demanding excellence of anybody. We're not demanding a lot of anybody, least of which our kids and ourselves. That's what we need to start doing, putting higher demands of excellence, and we'll start to see it. God willing, I'll be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. Make it a great day.